Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. I think that I won't fail, I'm setting myself up for great failure. Peter, remember, he, he, was, he was the bold one. He was the one that said, you know what? Everybody else deny you, Lord. I'll never deny you. And yet, whose name goes down in history is the one who denied the Lord three times. The guy who said he never would. Application. The application here is pretty easy for me. I wrote three words. You might want to write these down to help you remember them. Okay. Application for this is focus, focus, focus. If we think we won't fail, we're setting ourselves up for great failure. In today's message, Pastor David recalls the story of Peter denying Jesus three times. Peter said he would never deny Jesus, but as we know from the Bible, he denied him three times in one day. We cannot do anything within our own power. Pastor David reminds us to keep our focus on the Lord. Do you look to the Lord to guide and direct you? You cannot do anything on your own, but with the Lord, all things are possible. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message from the book of John chapter one, Simon Peter. seems right in the eyes of man, I could be and very possibly am moving directly opposite of what God's will is in my life. Can God's people do good things at the wrong time? Yeah, they can. And we do. We do. It it just made sense to do that. It just seemed logical to do that. And God is saying, I work outside of logic sometimes, son. And yet we just kind of move on. So, The application is, I need to check my motives. It can't be just a good thing. It has to be a God thing. Okay? So let's move on to the second major point. I don't don't want to be one of those that always put Peter down. As a matter of fact, when we look at his life, there's, there's a number of things in his life and the way that he lives his life that really is a challenge to me and, it, and, and I ought to be encouraged about. Let's, let's look at one of these most famous events in, in Peter's life, and this is this water walk of faith, okay? You, most of you know the story, but turn there with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to begin in verse 22. Matthew 14, verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountains by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. Okay, so let me give you the setting in case you're unfamiliar with the story. Jesus had been ministering to the multitudes. It was now well on into the early evening, perhaps even even further into the evening. 
finally, he knew that we had to call a halt to this. He told the disciples, get in the boat, go to the other side. I'll dismiss the multitudes. I'll meet you over there. None of them thought about the fact, how is Jesus going to go? We're taking all the boats. But anyway, Jesus dismissed the multitudes. And as the multitudes went away, Jesus, instead of running around the shore to meet the guys, he goes up in the mountains and begins to pray. Now, there, he's all alone. Now, verse 24. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. In other words, the wind was blowing just the opposite of what they needed it to. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, and that's somewhere between 3 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock in the morning, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost, and they cried out with fear. Probably not too unlike what you and I would do if we were put in the same situation. But immediately, verse 27 tells us, Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And one of the first things that you and I need to notice on this is that no one else made that request. It's like Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you. And all the rest of them joined in on the same, yeah, Lord, let us all come. No, nobody else said anything. Peter is the only one. It was through that impulsiveness of Peter, almost reckless abandon that, that, that Peter had so many times, that with that he was able to experience something with Jesus that none of the other disciples ever had the opportunity to experience. As a matter of fact, that opportunity will never be given again, not to Peter, not to any of the other disciples. In the midst of his impulsiveness, you've got to catch this. Peter didn't jump out of the boat, okay? When, when Jesus says, you know, it's me, don't be afraid, it doesn't say that Peter jumped out of the boat and ran, started running to Jesus. Peter, even as impulsive and reactionary as he was, said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you. I'm going to wait right here until you bid me to come. But when Jesus said come, Peter did the wildest craziest thing you and I could ever begin to imagine. He really thought he could walk on water because he trusted the word of Jesus. In his impulsiveness, in his reactionary spirit, Peter says, Lord, boom, you bid me, I'm there, I'm going. I wish that was the end of the story. But you and I know that it's not. Verse 29 so Jesus said, come, and when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. None of the other disciples can claim that. Only Peter. But verse 30 is where we get it. And when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. Now, if you underline, highlight, or draw circles in your Bible, which I encourage you to do if it's your Bible, or if it's your neighbor's Bible, you can do that too. You can underline, circle, draw an arrow to when he saw the wind. When he saw the wind. That led to the second point. He was afraid. That led to the third point. He began to sink. He saw the wind. You think the wind was there before he got out of the boat? 
They'd been fighting the wind for hours trying to get across the Sea of Galilee, which is not very big. The wind was blowing when Jesus came walking across and said, ah, it's a ghost. Ah. And Jesus said, oh, it's me. Don't be afraid. The wind was still blowing. There were still waves going there at that time. Jesus said, hey, it's me. Come on out. Peter got out of the boat. The wind was still there. But the trick is, is that when he saw the wind, that's when he became afraid. And when he became afraid, that's when he began to sink. He cries out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did Peter fail in his walk of faith? Same reason you and I do. He got his eyes off the prize. And as soon as you and I get our eyes off the prize of faithfulness, to God, will fail. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care if you got big flipper feet that you think you're going to be able to walk on water. You're not going to do it. Your walk of faith will struggle, stumble, and eventually fail if you get your eyes, if I get my eyes off the prize. He was no longer looking unto Jesus. He began to look, catch this, he began to look at the impossibility of what was going on in his life. And folks, I know that for a lot of us, <laughs> impossibilities roll in. I mean, they just don't stroll in. They roll in. We don't just stumble upon them. They come by waves. And if we get our eyes on the impossibilities, we become afraid. And when we become afraid, with our eyes off the prize, off the Lord, we'll fail. As soon as his eyes left the gaze of the master, his faith drained away like somebody would tear the bottom out of a boat in the middle of the sea. It wasn't just a little leak that started happening. No, the bottom was ripped out, and boom, he started going down. In principle, that's not too far from another event that happens later on in the Gospels, near the end of the Gospels. It's, it's what happened to Peter when he was in the courtyard of the high priest as he denies the Lord those three times. Remember, just a short time before, here Peter was willing to come against 500 armed men with only one sword. Yeah, he was ready to walk on water again. He was ready to believe the impossible. He was ready to go. But let me ask you this. Number one, did Jesus bid him, Peter, get your sword? No, he didn't. Peter drew the sword in his own strength, his own logic. It made sense. It was a good thing. I want to protect Jesus. It's a good thing to do, but I'm not following the Lord in this. I'm following my own logic. I'm following my own understanding. I've got the resource to do it, and surely the Lord will make it better. You know, I know he can do those kinds of things, but God didn't tell him to do He was ready to walk on water, but it wasn't time to walk on water. He would have continued on. I think he would have continued on to his own death, but the Lord had to stop him even there. And then the Lord had to take care of the collateral damage of, again, his acting and responding, reacting by his own logic. Now, after following there in the garden, after they arrested Jesus, Peter followed. Remember, the, 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 the gospel is very clear. He followed at a distance. And it ends up, after he follows in the distance, he finds himself in the courtyard of the enemy 
He's being taunted by this little maiden, the guy that was just about ready to take on 500 men with one sword. This little maiden comes, aren't you with Jesus? No, I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. Until the point that you know how it goes three times. And finally he begins to curse and to swear and he leaves the garden and goes out into the darkness. The bottom of his boat literally is ripped out and he sinks into the ocean once again. So I want to bring it to a principle for us. Our second principle in the three. Our walk as Christians is always, always a walk of faith. As the writer of Hebrews tells us, that without faith it's impossible to please God. And Paul, Paul warns the church of Galatia. He says, "What having begun by faith, are you now being perfected by your own strength, by your own Abilities. Paul again warns them, no, you got to be walking in faith. You are saved in faith. You and I walk in faith. Every aspect of our life needs to be in faith. We live, we walk, we breathe, everything in faith. It can't be made uh, you know, by our own strength, by our own abilities. Paul tells the Corinthians that we walk by faith and not by sight. The entirety of our Christian experience Our walk must be by faith, not by sight. Because as soon as I see the waves, I get scared. As soon as I get scared, I start getting over my head. As soon as I follow at a distance, and I'm trying to do it in my own strength, with my own sword, my own resources, even even a little maiden can knock me over and blow me away. It's not my own strength. It's not my own abilities that we live this life. And that means that as stuff comes into your life, and there are waves that are going to come. I, listen, uh, if, if somebody sold you the bill of goods that, hey, you come to Jesus, everything in your life is going to be fine. You know, Your kids are going to be obedient. You're, you know, you're, you're, you'll get a raise at work. And uh, you know, the, the, the doctors will say, hey, you're, a hundred, you're the healthiest person I've ever seen. No, if somebody sold you that bill of goods, I'm sorry, they lied to you. The fact uh, is, is we go through stuff in this life. We go through a tremendous amount of waves and storms in this life. But you and I as believers, we live this life not with our eyes on the storm, but with our eyes focused and looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Of the lessons, I actually have two. The first lesson is is that it shows me that beginning rightly does not guarantee finishing rightly rightly beginning rightly does not guarantee finishing rightly peter got out of the boat in the right way lord if it's you bid me to come he stayed there until jesus said come but he started out and perhaps some of you have stepped out in faith in areas in your life you've made commitments to the lord and said lord i i trust you in this area and i'm just going to go and then all of a sudden it got uncomfortable and now the worry the fear uh, and, and you're ready to bail or you, you you don't know what's going on you've got to remain in faith i can get my eyes off the track I can get my eyes off the prize. I can get to that point where I begin looking back as I'm plowing the field. I can get to that point where I long for Egypt. Oh, if I just had the onions. You, you, you forget all about the fact that you're making bricks without straw, you know, out in the world. 
I must remain on guard. Even though it started right, I need to finish right. Secondly, in the lesson, thinking I won't fail is an almost guarantee of my failure. If I think that I won't fail, I'm setting myself up for great failure. Peter, remember, he, he, was, he was the bold one. He was the one that said, you know what? Everybody else deny you, Lord. I'll never deny you. And yet, whose name goes down in history is the one who denied the Lord three times. The guy who said he never would. Application. The application here is pretty easy for me. I wrote three words. You might want to write these down to help you remember them. Okay. Application for this is focus, focus, focus. And it's got to be the correct focus. To continually maintain that kind of an application of focusing in, in, in the midst of, number one, a, a flesh that continually calls out and demands its own way, uh, a, a world that's continually alluring and always lies about the consequences of following the world. If you haven't figured that one out, listen, that'll come to you as a, a stark reality. The world lies to you. Okay. When the world says, oh, no, this is a lot more fun than doing the other thing. The fun has a great price to it. Also, the fact that the enemy, who knows my weaknesses, he does not sleep in his desire to see me fail. I have to continually be diligent of those things. Well, let's go to our third point here in the study on the character of Peter. I want to look at another aspect of Peter's life. Peter, Peter was a man that did learn from his experiences, and that's a good thing. And when he was empowered by the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost, he was a powerful force for the kingdom of God, and we see that in so many ways. First, we see in the early chapters of the book of Acts this boldness of Peter that's just suddenly, yes, we knew before he was bold, we knew before that he was impetuous, uh, but there was a reactionary you know, idea there was a full of fleshness that was there. Well, now he's full of the Holy Spirit, and God has taken this weakness of Paul's and made it a strength for the glory of God. Look in Acts chapter 2 as we see this declaration that Peter makes. In Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, and you know the story here. This is after the day of Pentecost and uh, the, the people in the upper room, they'd been uh, speaking in tongues and praising God in, in other languages and men from everywhere around saying, wow, we hear them praising God in our own language. These guys must all be, well, the ones that didn't understand what was going on, they said, these guys must be drunk. And Peter goes out, no, these guys aren't drunk. It says in verse 14, Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it came to pass in the last days, said God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Now let me stop here just for a moment. Peter is talking to not a crowd of 50, not a crowd of 500, 
but he's talking to a crowd literally of thousands. And we're talking, again, people that he doesn't know as well as some that he may know. People from foreign countries who are, who are there, some who are there who are the leaders and the rulers there in Jerusalem. And so Peter stands up before this crowd and begins proclaiming these things. Let me jump down to verse 22. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourself also know. This is a pretty accusatory language that he's using here, okay? Do you get that? He says, you guys know about this. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, and you've crucified him and put him to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Do you think that at this point, Peter is making any friends within the crowd? No, I, I think there's probably a real stirring and mumbling. Outside of the fact that as he's speaking, it's not just Peter stating these things, but it's the Holy Spirit now. And the Holy Spirit has arrows that are going into these men's hearts all through that crowd. All through that crowd, people suddenly are being convicted because of their own sin, because of the reality of what they knew to be true, because of the signs and the wonders and the miracles that God, that Christ had done, because of the words that he had spoken, because of the way that he had ministered. They knew that they were guilty, and now as the Holy Spirit is speaking through Peter, man is just zinging right into their hearts. Skip down to verse 32. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Empowered, emboldened, not by his own resources, not by his own abilities, but by the Spirit of God. And so what happens? Look in verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And then verse 40, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word. Now let me stop right there. Those who gladly received his word. That tells me that there were some who did not gladly receive his word. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. We're so glad you took the time to listen to the open word. 
Pastor David has been sharing studies on biblical characters, each varied and full of lessons we can benefit from. Though these characters lived long ago, their stories, emotions, and responses to situations mirror those that we have today. Their lives may not be as different from our own as we'd expect. If you'd like to explore more character studies, we'd encourage you to visit our website, theopenword.com. Just click on Teachings at the top of the page to find our library of past messages. While you're at our website, you'll be able to learn more about Pastor David and the heart behind the ministry of The Open Word. Pastor David is the senior pastor at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and he'd like to extend to you a personal invitation before our time is up today. Oh, absolutely. We here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, we've got a seat waiting for you at our worship services. Come by on Saturday or Sunday or even Wednesday if you like, and we guarantee you'll meet some smiling faces and discover more about Jesus. We're nothing special as a church, just a diverse group of Jesus-loving people who delight in the challenge of the truth of God's Word. Come as you are, and you'll fit right in. You'll be able to find out more about us when you visit our website, theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David. That website, once more, is theopenword.com. Just follow the link to our church's homepage. We're excited to see you. Thanks for tuning in today to The Open Word. 